Welcome to Crying in the Book Club. Wow. Another day, another week, another two weeks gone by since our last episode. It's very exciting times. Um, but yeah, you know, if you don't know what we are and you just clicked a button and found us, uh, you know, it's the hit new podcast where three emotional friends talk about comic books that make them emotional. So if that is something that you're interested in, you're in the right place. And if not, it's too late. So um, yeah, hi, I'm Alex. I'm hosting this week. And I'm joined by the legendary, the um, acclaimed, some would say, um, Emily. How you doing, Emily? Oh, I thought you were... I didn't know that I was being introduced. Hello, Alex. If you, uh, listeners, if you are not here for three emotional friends uh, reading comic books and talking about them, no refunds. No. We wouldn't do that. And, uh, you know, I don't know. When you heard the word legendary, you weren't like, oh, that's me. That's it. No, I, I definitely acclaimed. did not assume. Acclaimed, and yes. Legendary, Acclaimed, yes. No. Oh, okay, no, I threw it off. Sorry. Sorry, I should have said. And the other guest, the legendary, the 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 king of uh, being Jean-Luc, um, my good friend, and maybe yours, uh, Jean-Luc Botko. How you doing? I'm okay. I'm glad that we've trapped some more people in grudge style with the with the podcast. Once it starts, you, you can't stop listening, and in seven days you will die. So yeah, it's not good for listener we're... retention, but <laughs> we're a biweekly days, show though. New so episode. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like if you come back to life in fourteen days, that's fine. There's just a week where I don't know. I don't know how the grudge works, but I'm guessing I, you I explained think... it, and there's not much more to it. Is the grudge also die in seven days? Because I know that that's the ring for sure. Oh my god! Yeah, it is. Grudge. It is the ring. It's not the grudge. I, the ring. That's I, I really was... funny. Chad made this exact same oh mix up god. several days ago. Oh really? Oh, I, yeah, I was totally yeah. doing a, a ring bit. But I think you can stop watching the VHS tape in the ring. It's not. It doesn't like captivate you and you know do the vampire thing where you can't look away you're still gonna die though you're still gonna die even if you see like two seconds of the videotape yeah what if you rewind it does that does that do anything for you does that like get rid of it you would extra die but it's like it's back she kills you backwards like yeah so you're alive (laughs) is that not no she kills you backwards that doesn't mean that oh so she's like facing backwards and then like i know I would take my chances. Be backwards. No, it's a, it's a. Okay. She trick shots you. That's how she does. Like a yeah, three sixty well, I mean, no scoop. That, that that's how I want to go because like you know you got to earn it. I just want I don't want them to just walk up and go like stab or like. You got to do like a sick gamer move. <laughs> Speaking a, of uh, spooky ethereal girls that no one understands. All right. All right. Oh no! Right, the segment to the thing. I I think <laughs> Halloween. I thought you were talking about Halloween. I'm like, Emily, Halloween's like kind of, kind of, kind of long past. <laughs> no, Halloween, Halloween is over. I was segueing yeah. into our topic for today because I thought that that would... We had a good segue that I butchered because what are we talking about today? But Shade, the Changing Girl. Yeah, by uh, good old Cecil, Cecil Castellucci, Marley Zarconi, uh, Andy Parks, Ryan Kelly, and Kelly Fitzpatrick. So a lot of, a lot of people on this book. Um, and it's a 2016 Young Animal book which was the, the imprint where they were like, hey, Gerard Way, you want to give us a comic book imprint that's based on, like, Vertigo in the 90s? And he's like, I guess I don't have to get together with the band for, like, another year. And, no, another five years? Six years? That's good. Something that's like that. It's in six years. So then he, he did this little thing. And, uh, yeah, we read it. We read it. We read it. We have some thoughts on it, I'm sure. Um, but I'll do a quick summary before we get into that. Um, so it follows this, this, this alien named Loma Shade. And, you know, alien for another planet, but she's just like every other 20-something who feels like their life is going nowhere fast. Uh, bored out of her mind, her solution is to drop out of school, dump her boyfriend, and leave her homeworld of meta behind, courtesy of the infamous Madness quote. So, um, it's a quote that was from a poet called Rack Shade, and it kind of is a multi-dimensional gateway, which she uses. Um, so she steals the quote, coat and astral projects herself across space. She ends up in the body of Megan Bohr, an Earth girl who's kind of, um, kind of terrible. Kind of like a really, really bad person. Like uh, any high school move. Like like, like, like everybody from Carrie who's not Carrie. That's that's, she, that's thing. She really sucks, and I kind of love it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen Carrie. I've only seen the Riverdale thing of Carrie, and I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah, so she's there. 
you know, she's she's in the body of a high school teen who's really rude, but is a popular girl. And um, meanwhile, back on Meta, there's dark forces that want the dangerously valuable coat back for their own purposes, and they're closing in on Loma's vulnerable physical body. At the same time, the primal madness that the coat channels, which is, you know, yay, primal madness that the coat you're using is channeling. It's great. It's slowly um, eroding Loma's equally vulnerable soul. So that's sort of the setup in, in volume one. And we get some nice high school hijinks and some some nice people and who and some not, not nice people and some nice people doing bad things. Uh, and then volume two, Loma's like, I'm out of here. I'm leaving secondary education for the ultimate uh, road trip. So she goes, she goes to Gotham City because it's a DC book. You got to do that. Uh, she goes to Los Alamos and she goes to Hollywood, which leads her to find the star of her favorite TV show, Life with Honey, which is a 60s sort of um, sitcom. And then she ends up switching bodies with Honey, who's now an old lady. And um, she gives her one last acting role that goes really well. And, and Loma's friends are trying to track her down. Uh, but the, the trick is that at the end, Honey doesn't actually want to switch bodies. She's like, no, I'm good. I'm in a young body. I don't want to die. Uh, but she eventually does switch and gets gets a bit of closure with her last role. And Megan, the, the really rude girl whose Loma has been um, taking over the body, is finally dead. And Shade is left in her own body. That's kind of the TLDR of this series. Um, there's a lot of stuff in the middle and a lot of confusing things. But right off the bat... Uh, did you guys like it? I did. Definitely. <laughs> I, I really, I yeah. really like, I really like this book. I am not surprised. Yeah. I, least surprising <laughs> statement ever, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty yeah. lukewarm on it. Um, yeah. I honestly really thought I read this book back when it came out. And then I started reading it and realized I have never read this before. <laughs> um, I, Assumed I read the whole Young Animal line, but I, I this one must have slipped through the cracks at some point. But uh, yeah, I, I after reading all twelve issues, like there were parts of it that there were some really high high points, um, and there were a lot of parts that were like really confusing and not necessarily like that. That's inherently a bad thing, and we'll like get into that, I'm sure. But I came out sort of feeling pretty mixed on it at the end. Yeah, I, I think. You've read the most Young Animal of anyone, I would I would assume. Um, my Young Animal, I think I read a bit of the Doom Patrol. I read all of Milkwars because I like saw that cover in my comic book store, and it was like it was fantastic. It was great. Yeah, the Milkwars, Milkwars is awesome. Yeah, and then I picked up I picked up Shade the Changing Girl, both volumes for four bucks overall at a at a local store. So it was like oh like you know if it's bad, it's four dollars. It's fine. Um, and that that was sort of my my introduction to it, but um. Emily, had you read any Young Animal stuff before this one? No. I always wanted to get into it because, like, because of Gerard Way, basically, entirely. And, yeah. like, I had seen uh, the cover, or, like, I had seen some of the art from Shade the Changing Girl, and I was like, oh, that looks cool. That I, I like the, the aesthetic that they've got going on here. Um, and I have Milk Wars on my to-read list, uh, but I know this was my my first foray into Young Animal. Young Animal, that's what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Young Animal. And so, Jean-Luc, you've read most of the other Young Animal stuff? You got some, some highlights there, or just maybe an overall thoughts on, on the imprint that's now over? So Sure, yeah. I mean, I, I read Doom Patrol, Mother Panic... Uh, Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, which then became Cave Carson has an intergalactic eye. As you do. <laughs> As you do. Um, I read Milk Wars and I read uh, Eternity Girl was, I think, the name of that miniseries. Yeah, yeah I mean, Shade, I, I will say that Shade the Changing Girl does feel very much in line with the rest of the imprint. It was kind of a weird imprint because it was once the, the book started coming out it was clear that it was an attempt to sort of reanimate the corpse of vertigo uh specific specifically the corpse of late 80s and 90s vertigo and a little bit into the stuff from the early 2000s as well so it, it brings a lot of those characters forward i mean rock shade who is like the inspiration for shade the changing girl that is shade the changing man from the the peter milligan milligan chris Boccolo book shade the changing man doom patrol obviously a reboot of the grant morrison doom patrol i don't know where cave carson fits into that i i don't think he was a new character but i don't remember him so it was it, it was kind of an it was kind of an interesting imprint that was 
initially marketed as like a young adult imprint, if I remember correctly, and then be- was clearly something very different. I really liked Eternity Girl. I really liked Mother Panic, especially after it was rebooted as Gotham AD post Milk Wars. You can probably still find the very glowing reviews I wrote of, I think, all five issues that that ran for. And I really liked uh, Gerard Way's Doom Patrol. It, it was a good imprint overall, and this one, like, thematically and in terms of, like, what it's doing fits into that imprint. I just don't think that it hits in the same way that the other books do. And I think that the some of the issues that the other books have in terms of trying really, really hard to emulate classic Vertigo books are a little bit, like, all of, I will say all the books in this line have that problem uh and this one sort of it's it feels more blatant here than in some of the other ones that can hide it a a little bit better but overall i think it was a good line and I, i was really sad when when dc killed it because it was one of the weirder lines of dc books and i like it when the big two let creators sort of off the leash to make things that aren't just you know a 17th Batman spinoff. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because this came out, I think a few years after Vertigo went down or maybe it was like a year after something like that, but there, it was like Vertigo was no longer an imprint of DC. Um, and then they decided to like, Hey, let's, let's do this thing where we're Vertigo. I guess they were looking at it like, Oh, you know, it's all old stuff. We want to look to the future and do something new. It's not really a sales juggernaut. So why don't we get Gerard way in here? Um, do the young animal thing. And then you've listed basically all the books that were in it. And it was like, six or seven so it, it never really had like a big chance to do it i don't i don't know the sales were i can't imagine they were they were too too amazing but um i just kind of like that, that a lot of the series like shade the changing girl the one we read was two six issue volumes and then they re they relaunched it as two six issue volumes so it's very like trade friendly it's very like succinct stories from beginning to end um i think the same thing with doom patrol the first series got like 12 issues so it's kind of cool um but going to shade emily you quite enjoyed this one um what what stood out for you with it what 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 helped it resonate with you uh i just i really liked the i really liked the the colors and like the just the art is like so cool to look at like all the character designs are really good um i really like uh i i don't know if this i don't know how much this uh comparison will uh will mean anything to either of you but i liked that uh megan the girl that loma finds herself in the body of is sort of like if laura palmer was evil <laughs> uh and i just i don't know i i really liked uh i i really especially i i know that uh, this is a, a question further down but i especially liked the first trade just because i really like the like the high school hijinks and like like this alien trying to <laughs> navigate uh, social strata while having to carry the baggage of like someone that they don't know and baggage that they have to like learn piece by piece. And while they're, while she is also like slowly losing her mind uh, because of the madness coat. Uh, I don't know. I just like, I just thought it was uh, interesting and fun. And I get like, I don't think it could have worked so well without the the gorgeous interior art and the colors. That, that That's me, I guess. I, I do really appreciate the pop art sensibilities of the book. I, I will say that. I, I really like the designs of a lot of the characters. I love the like line work that a lot of the characters have like straighter lines on their faces and stuff like that in, in like, you know, classic pop art style. Uh, so I, I, I am totally with you there. I think visually the book is, is a delight. And I, I mean, part of the, one of the issues I have with the book is that it sometimes feels a little bit too zany and weird just for the sake of it. But all of those pages look really fucking cool, which means that, you know, it's sort of like is a dependent on like how I feel about the rest of the issue, how much I'm willing to forgive it on the on the strength of the art alone. But there's definitely times where I'm like enjoying the issue and then something like that will pop up. I'm like, oh, this looks really cool. And then sometimes I'm like, there were issues where I was reading them. I was like, this, I'm not enjoying this issue. And then pop up and I'm like, can this fuck off? But it's still, it all looks really good, right? So. Yeah, I, I think I'm probably a little personally more uh, willing to forgive uh, any of the, 
the rough parts of the story for the sake of how good the art is. No, I yeah. I think that's really fair with with this book. <laughs> and and it also goes like sometimes you go for a while where you're like five pages where you really don't know what's going on or the story's not really moving forward or it's moving in a way where it's like is this important? Is this not important at all? And then you I have no idea how I would have felt reading this book coming out issue by issue. Uh I specifically have like a note that I wrote down about that about the first issue that if I read that first issue in December of 2016 when it came out, I would have instantly dropped the book. I I would have had no, I would have had zero patience for what, it was, what it was that, doing. That's the heart of rebirth. So you you, you know the standards like you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the standard for what I'm willing to stick with is pretty low at that point. But no, I, I I mean I don't mean to like completely shit on it, but it is like an opening issue that is so disorienting because it opens with this girl Megan waking up in the hospital and you don't know how she got there and it's not even really clear initially if it's her waking up from a coma or if it's somebody else waking up from a coma and the it's not to me it took like probably three quarters of the first issue to even realize oh her body is being possessed which I should have known because that's the same conceit as Shade the Changing Man is that he possesses a, a, a person who's in the process of dying possesses their body and I should have, you know, obviously. Have you, have you read Che the Changing Man? I have never finished it, but I've read, like, a pretty significant chunk of it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, but I guess, like, you know, this is... I mean, Peter Milligan... At, I, sorry, go ahead, Alex. No, just saying, like, it's, it's marketed at new readers, so I feel like most people shouldn't have been expected to know who Shade right. the Changing Man even is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, did, I had never heard of him until I, like, was in the middle of reading this and went to go Google something about it, and it doesn't have its own Wikipedia page. You can only go to Shade the Changing Man and then, like, go down to uh, where it is it it is mentioned on the Wikipedia page. You made it. <laughs> Misogyny at work. Yeah, no. So that's, like, that, that like, reading this issue to issue it seems like it, it would have been... Uh, a bit of a struggle, honestly. Yeah. But it sort of becomes clearer, like, as the issue goes, as that first issue goes on, like, what is happening, and, like, it does sort of, like, set up the the stakes, and, you know, where, like, Megan st- sat before everything happened, uh, well, or, or before her body was possessed, it, it does, like, become clear and, like, sort of solidify, like, some of the basic stuff pretty quickly, like, by issues two and three. It, it's just, it is, like, a rough, up, like, and I get that, like, that's, like, it's a cold open. I just don't think it's a particularly effective cold open. Mm-hmm. Even yeah, if, fair. you know, I sh- I have no excuse for not knowing what was going on, uh, but I, I was, my yeah. brain is, my brain's dumb sometimes. What do you guys think of Megan's parents? Because in the first issue, like, the, the, one of the main things that stands out to me is, like, they learn that her daughter is now alive, and they're like, shit, we want to pull the cord. And they're, like, looking at their bills and stuff, and it was like, oh. And then you learn how, like, Megan's a really shitty person, but it's still like, you're her parents, though. I don't know, man. Dude, I, I don't know. After, like, you learn all about Megan, I don't blame them. <laughs> I am, yeah. like, if, if she's a terror to her friends, I can only imagine how much of a terror she's been to them. Like... Yeah, like, they're, she's, like, they're her parents, and, like, they should love her, and I mean, I, they probably do, but, like, sometimes, you know, nobody ever asks, maybe the kid just had bad vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just, yeah. <laughs> it was just striking in that first issue to be, like, because you, you don't really know Megan oh, at this yeah, point. Oh, yeah, 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 And it's yeah. just, like, her parents are, like. Like, I'm like, oh, man, what's wrong with these parents? And they're just like, ah, man. I mean, I, and then there's, like, the bills there, so it shows, like, obviously, like, it's a financial burden on them. But, um, yeah, that was, like, huh. I really like the reveal that basically nobody is happy that she woke up. I think that that's, uh... I just, I, I, I like, like, I don't like Megan. I like her, like, I like her use in this story and, like, the... I, I just think, like, I don't know. I think it's fun. I, I think her parents are great comic relief characters who, sh- like, when they show up, like, every issue for probably a total of four panels in each of the first six issues. And it's always, like, 
oh, maybe her daughter's not a, not evil anymore. Or like, oh God, why is she back? Why is she back? Like, there's like, they feel so like cucked in the first couple issues. And then as it goes on, like the, the, they seem to have a more positive outlook, but there's, you can tell they're so timid and scared of her. It's, I, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed them even though I think they're probably like pretty bad parents if they, you know, produced somebody like that. And there's that scene where Lona is like going through Megan's memories. And one of the, one of the four or five memories on that page is Megan as a young kid telling her mom that she's scared of the dark and her mom tells her to not be stupid. So like, it's we do get in some of the, the flashbacks that like maybe her parents are like, like, it seems like Megan was, like, shitty, but also that her parents, like, didn't really help the situation. Yeah. Yeah. But Megan definitely is a piece of shit. Oh, my yeah. God. Just a oh horrible my. person. Oh, God. Yeah. Not, not quite, you know, so it's funny because this is, like, the conceit of Shade the Changing Man is also that he takes the body of an awful person. Uh, the awful person he takes the body of is somebody who, like, went on a spree killing and killed, like, 35 people. Um, Megan was mean but Megan so it's it's a little bit of a different you know uh level of of being a bad person and yet Um, I feel like there are still people who would probably still say Megan was worse (laughs) yeah she was very mean yeah I don't know that those people are right but like I can (laughs) definitely uh definitely see someone saying that no, definitely. And that is one of the compelling dynamics of the the first six issues is not only is it sort of like a fish out of water story with an alien trying to, with, with the very like classic trope of like an alien trying to figure out their, figure out an earth high school, but also the, this extra layer of this alien is in the body of just like a terrible person that is widely hated. Well, and it's like a person who makes everyone else feel like like they're an alien there. It's like like she has that effect on people where it's like, oh, I don't feel comfortable here. It's like it's interesting really that Loma was the alien, but Megan alienated everyone oh. around her. Whoa, so true. It's time for our first ever cry space. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, getting ahead. Very excited. End of the Sorry. episode. We've, we've we've talked about the the first half a lot. Um, and, you know, the first half, it takes place in high school. Um, what do you guys think about the transition where she kind of just, like, leaves and goes to sort of do her road trip thing, goes to Hollywood and meets, meets Honey? So this is another one of my issues, is that that transition feels incredibly sudden. Mm-hmm. Because I I was initially down for it. Like, that issue where she goes to New York... Oh, sorry, Gotham City. Uh, <laughs> but... I was initially down for the, like, Shade the Changing Girl, like, you know, doing a road trip thing. But the transition is just, like, kind of out of the blue. And they set up, like, the reason for it happening where she, you know, has started to become friends with these two people, River and and Teacup. I think her name is Teacup. Teacup, yeah. And they've, like, started to become, like, this, you know, she started to, like, carve out a niche for herself. And then they they betray her at a dance. And, and, you know, basically lead to her feeling, you know, ex- like she wants to just run away. But it, it, it really comes out of the blue and it feels like there's a lot that, like, was left unresolved after the, the first arc that is sort of... So it's sort of like... I don't know, like, it, it felt pretty unsatisfying to, to just do that change. And, you know, if this were a yeah. book... If this were a series that, like you know, got to run for 40, 50, 60 issues, like a lot of those original Vertigo books did. And they were able to like go back to that and really return to those characters, which I'm sure was probably what like was probably planned. And then the, the book got, you know, tied into Milk Wars and then relaunched and then inevitably canceled. But as, as it stands, as those 12 issues stand, it, it feels really unsatisfying to leave uh, those strings like completely unresolved at the end of it. And there's also like a lot of false, what feel like false endings in that first arc too. Like there's that scene where Lona goes and apologizes to all the people that Megan wronged. And I'm like, Oh, is this like the end? Or is she moving on from the high school thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's a couple of moments like that that just feel like 
they, they feel like they come too early in the story and the the payoff like isn't fully there for for those moments that should be very cathartic in theory but because you've only spent like three two and a half or three and a half issues with these characters they don't land the way that they otherwise might yeah and i mean like also the book is a bit as we mentioned confusing at times um which is which is interesting because it seems to get more confusing as it goes on as she's more into the throes of madness which is a nice like little literary like oh wow like that's cool but from a reader perspective it's not you know (laughs) I, I feel like you, at a, you know at a certain point like you can only have the madness uh interrupt the reader's ability to understand what's going on so much yeah yeah and, and it's definitely like a unique book coming out in what 2016 during mm-hmm. during rebirth where all those books were so samey in dc comics and it's like it's 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 neat and like the art's really good i think i'm about in, in, in the middle of you two in terms of enjoying it but um I would probably read Shade the Changing Woman and see see how see how that is with a new direction and then you uh you know, maybe some Yeah, clarity. I was also thinking of picking it up. I just like I wanted to like the second half a lot more than I did. I thought that the pacing was kind of uh all over the place and uh like really... said, like that the the transition between volumes one and two uh just didn't feel didn't feel as smooth as I would have liked for a book whose first half I enjoyed so much. Uh, Not that I didn't like the second half, just that like, it was kind of like I was riding pretty high on the first half and then I was not as high. And that was a little disappointing. And you can also, I am probably going to check out shade, the changing woman. Yeah. And you can also really feel the weight of like the impending milk wars tie-ins because it really feels like by the by the last couple issues they are trying to cram you know two or three issues worth of story uh, into into each of the issues because I guess the other thing about about Lona is that not only is she like an alien from Meta who is you know it, who has taken over Megan's body but she is also heavily influenced by the Honey sitcom from the nineteen fifties which was I don't know if, I assume that's not a real sitcom. But I, no. I, I, I figured it was fictional. It's like but an it was, I Love was, Lucy or something. Yeah, but it, yeah, it is like a sort of like an I Love Lucy analog that was like broadcast into space and was a fad on her alien planet. Which I, I don't know if either of you have watched Young Justice, but I couldn't help but feel like this character was very similar to Miss Martian, who whose whose uh, Earth name is also Megan and also uh is heavily inspired by the protagonist of uh, a sitcom that got uh cast to to mars so it that that was just one of those things that like i just couldn't shake that the whole i just kept thinking about that like oh my god this is (laughs) not not necessarily in a bad way it was just like it was just a it was just an observation of like wow this feels very familiar to me um and this came out uh what two, three years after Young Justice came out, so it could have been a bit of that inspiration, for sure. Yeah, definitely, yeah. De- I, I mean, I, I, I would definitely assume that it, it probably was in part. But the whole, like, second arc is basically, you know, Lona trying to find the the main actress from uh, that sitcom, and, you know, I don't know what the plan is after she finds her. I don't know how she thinks that's going to go. I don't, I Um, I mean, I don't think she has a, like a plan after that. Like she has the goal and then, you know, her time is a bit, she doesn't know how much she has. Yeah. Which, you know, I, there, there is a a compelling story there. I, I love the like sort of montage. And I think issue nine or 10 where she's just going to all kinds of different places she recognizes from the show. So she like goes to the house where the sh- that the show was filmed in. She and she goes to like and, and the show took place in Nevada. So she like goes to the Grand Canyon and you know all, all kinds of stuff like that. And it's just like wait, it's not real. <laughs> I I love the like you know wait you're telling me it wasn't a documentary. And I have to say. Um, when they start doing the backups that are like episodes of the show, I thought that th- those were really charming and really fun. The a- Every issue of this book has a backup. And at first they're like sort of nonsensical, totally unrelated to the show there to the, to the series They're They're like, okay. But halfway through it starts doing these backups that are like in like 
black the like sort of black and white of like 1950s or 60s television and are like just episodes of, supposed to be episodes of the show and i really dug those i thought those were really yeah. those were like really fun to toss and, in the back i think the art's by like the archie guy so it's got that really classic like <laughs> oh, is it really that's cool yeah i think dan Perron, but yeah it's like a great like 60s like is the bomb gonna drop on us or not or 50s and it's like, <laughs> yeah oh well yeah. <laughs> yeah no i found those really i found those to be to be really charming yeah, and I think that's like there are still some good emotional payoffs in the in the second half with her and Honey going on, but it is does kind of get like it does feel like they're rushing, which is a little strange. To, you mentioned it because it, this book ran for twelve issues, Doom Patrol ran for twelve. Like it always seemed like that was the plan. So for it to still be like this rushed, it's I I, I don't know what the planning process was, or if Milk Wars. I feel like Milk Wars had to have been planned from the beginning by Gerard Way if he's doing this. But I guess we'll, we'll never Maybe. really know. And it's we'll never like... really know. I mean, I, I think these books sold pretty poorly, except for Doom Patrol, which didn't sell amazingly well, but was a fairly successful book. And I would posit that DC Editorial was itching to relaunch them and get some of the hype back that was there at the be- at the beginning. So who knows if, you know, who knows if Milk Wars was always in the cards for these books or not. Like it's... Yeah, DC Editorial uh, doesn't always make the right decisions. Surprise, but... <laughs> I mean, especially in this in this era, right? Like it's it's hard not to... I mean, obviously... It's, it's the end of Dan Deal's reign. This is the yeah. end of his... Uh... Yeah. Well, yeah, but this was in the height of his power. This was, you know... Well, yeah, I mean, New 52 was probably like... Sure, but even Rebirth was like, I mean, Dan yeah. Deal like stuck it out all the way through Rebirth and didn't like get booted until five G like yeah, yeah, yeah. failed. Yeah. Um, but I think with I think U fifty two he was the guy who was like, let's relaunch everything. That's Except true. action comics and detective comics. Um, smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> now they're all back. Um, it's great. Yeah. I, I think like one of the compelling things is that so to, to, to go back to the to the honey thing, like that, you know, sort of culminates in Loma swapping Megan's body for Honey's, right? Where the actress who plays Honey ends up in Megan's body and uh, Loma ends up in her body. And the reason she does this is because the actress is about to commit suicide because she's old and doesn't want to be alive. And, and she's like already dying and doesn't really want to like live out the last months or whatever of her life in pain. And here comes yeah. Loma Shade to, 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 to put us, put an end to Stop. that. Which is like, this is also like a thing in Shade the Changing Man where like he, he like dies and is resurrected like multiple times in different bodies every time. And thematically, this book always feels like it's on the verge of saying something interesting about that and never really gets, I don't think it ever really gets across the finish line. Like the, the culmination of the first arc is, you know, um, Megan still being alive somewhere in the back of, of, of the body's consciousness and seeing all of these things. And then, you know, sort of coming back at the end to have like a final confrontation where, you know, Loma basically kills her and kill, kills what was left of her and takes over, like takes control of, of that body. Yeah. Um, and that ends up in a different, a different body at the end. Um, but it never, and it, it, but it never quite feels like it, like the writing can really connect the dots in terms of what it wants to say thematically. It always mm-hmm. ends up sort, or to me at least, it always ended up sort of feeling like, well, this was something that happened. Shade, this happened to Shade the Changing Man, and we should sort of like emulate those tropes and emulate those those plot beats, um, but without the sort of like underlying like the, without like Peter Milligan like actually, you know being interested in like writing a book about a character who at some point kind of ends up being trans. And, and I think it's, it's interesting to like, sorry, just jump in. Like I almost would prefer, like I, I kind of makes me want to read the original series. Cause I, I think this concept would work like in a quantum leap sort of way where it's like episodic and sort of, you're just a new person every time. Maybe it's like for an arc or two. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's what shade, shade uh, the original shade did. Or it's it longer was. than like an arc or two at a time, but yeah. Okay. It, it is kind of like that. Yeah. Um, Sorry, go I, on. I just, yeah. No, no, that's fair. I, 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 I was, I was pretty, I was honestly done with, with, with that point. And that's, but, but that's just like what, what I keep coming back to with this book is that like, all, there's so many like high points in the individual issues of stuff that's like really fun, and there's, there's like a lot of like really good dialogue writing, 
Um, and it just, but it just can, there's none of it ever feels like it gets over the finish line and is like purely satisfying as either like an ending or a resolution uh, or even in terms of like how the characters like end up in, in their like relationships to one another. It all just feels well, yeah. like it's left dangling, at least to me. And even like the end of the series, it's just like, it's, it, it's, on such a, it's not an open ending, but it's such like, it is almost like, okay, what's next? Because like, yeah. Shade now has a new body. Megan's gone. She's now, she can do her own thing. Uh, Honey's dead, but she had a nice like final moment where she got to, you know, see herself act and kind of go out on top as it were. Um, but at the end of it, it's just like, it, I want more time in the high school. I want more time in sort of that. Yeah. In, in that first arc. And uh, yeah. And, and then also I am kind of interested to see what Shade the Changing Woman ends up being, but I'm also a little skeptical because I don't think it got the full issues it was supposed to. So yeah, it, it all those books got kind of canceled early. Um, what did you guys think of the like back and forth between like the events happening on Meta and the stuff happening on on Earth? I generally didn't usually care that much about what was happening on Meta. Yeah, same. Yeah, you and me are really polar yeah. opposites on this book, I think, Emily, because I was always like, whenever they would jump to Meta, I was like, oh my god, this rocks. Can we get a whole book that's about, like, them trying to... I wanted, like, the book that was just, like, all of them trying to track down, like, the M-Vest, because I thought that they were, like... I love the, like, the alien designs. I love uh, her... Oh, her I like ex, the alien the, designs a lot. The weird I little like octopus man. Yeah, Lepuck. He's, Lepuck. he's adorable. Like a little panda octopus. Lepuck. Yeah, He's got like a he's in like a cool, cool band. And I think I would have liked the uh, the meta stuff more if the book was a little more cohesive. And it was sure. sort of like okay, now, like it was clear when they were on meta, but like in terms of like there were so many pages and so many instances where I had to like go back and read it and still be like, what's going on? For them to also be doing a double story or not a double story, but two different places going on, it was kind of um, if it was cleaner, I think I would have liked meta more. Because meta was very clean, and maybe that's why you liked it too, Jean-Luc, where it's like... I didn't I didn't dislike the meta stuff, I just, like, was not as invested in it, I guess. It's just like, oh, we gotta find the coat. Gotta find the coat. Gotta find the coat. <laughs> we gotta find the coat! We gotta, gotta find the coat. coat. You gotta, you mm-hmm. So, um... We all know that you all love the parents from this this book, but what are your what are your favorite characters? What's your favorite character in here? I mean, I really liked Loma. I thought she was fun. Um, and she was interesting. And I liked um, oh, what was her what was her friend that she made uh, the guy River. River. Right? Yeah, River. What's I just couldn't remember yeah. his name. Yeah, I liked River. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I, you know, Teacup was okay. I thought a lot of the characters were interesting, um, but uh, I, I guess I liked Loma the most. I, I think I ended up liking Loma the most, mostly after, I think it's issue seven is the flashback issue that is, like, almost, in, takes place almost entirely on Meta and is about, like, her upbringing and her, her parents... Mm-hmm. And the and then her like going to college and sort of becoming completely disillusioned with with life. I enjoy characters who are disillusioned with life and then find a reason to live. I it's it's good stuff. <laughs> it's good stuff. Well, it's interesting because that's technically the start of the second arc, and it like really doesn't like it. It doesn't help the transition because in the next issue you're kind of like thrown into something else. But yeah. I think as a standalone issue, that was probably my favorite one. It's my favorite issue of the series for it's really sure. Good. It also has like it it, it, cha- it it's the first time it changes artists too. It's uh, Marguerite Sauvage who draws that issue, and it still has like the same sort of yeah. pop art sensibilities as the rest of the series. But I, I do think it's there's sort of there's there's some slight differences that make me like end up liking the art in that issue uh, a bit more than I think uh, the re- not to put down the rest of the art because I like I said I really enjoy the rest of the art, but I think the oh, art yeah, in that issue is. Yeah exceptional like i love how like so many of the pages are just character like characters superimposed on these really like liquidy loose backgrounds i it really like encapsulates the sort of like memory aspect of it in a way that's 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 pretty cool that like this is loma remembering things but a lot of the details aren't fully filled in 
it's just you, there's just sort of like these like amorphous shapes in the background that I love. And also that could just be how meta looks because it is kind of like a weird planet out of time that sort of defies, you know, traditional, you know, characteristics of existence yeah. or whatever. Uh, but either way, I think it ends up looking really, really cool. Um, and I also love that page. Uh, that's all of like Loma going through like multiple different partners trying to find, you know, someone who cares about the same things that she does and just being like completely disinterested in them because they don't care about earth. So I, I, I really, (laughs) those earth heads. That's also the issue that ends with like the, the dance scene where she goes to the dance with, with river and teacup and they, in what is a, a really kind of shocking, like character turn end up like betray because betraying her and basically what happens is like the whole school like turns on her and like throws like these like confetti fit like pieces of confetti with like all kinds of uh you know insults on them at her well they 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 squirt glue on her first and then they throw all of the the papers on her and it turns out that you know her friends were in on it which at that point in the story felt a little bit disingenuous to me but you know yeah, they had to get her yeah. out of there somehow. Because they knew she was an alien, or maybe they didn't believe her. Yeah, it's like yeah, that was. I I thought that the I thought that the the dance uh thing was kind of dumb. Like but... I understand some people being in on it, but I feel like the people who she's actually been talking to being like, "Hey, I'm an alien. Here's the proof." Whoa, crazy! Yeah. Wow. Uh, but maybe they are just uh, racist. They're just xenophobic. Yeah. Literally xenophobic. <laughs> yeah, literally xenophobic. Uh, so, so like you've already read uh, Young Animal, Emily, you haven't really. Uh, does this make you want to go back, Sean Luke? And Emily, does this make you want to read more? It does, actually. Uh, I mean, I was always kind of interested in the Young Animal imprint, so uh, this uh, jump-starting me into it, uh, I'm, I'm kind of interested in checking out more. Maybe we could do more for the show. This is going to sound really mean. It makes me want to reread the good Vertigo comics. Um, More than any, not not that I would be like opposed to like (laughs) rereading young animal stuff. I, I, there are, there are plenty of young animal books that I liked, but my first thought after I finished this was like, damn, I should go back and like actually finish shade the changing man. So that that's that's kind of where where I where I ended up, or you know, like I should go reread Kid Lobotomy, which is the the other Peter, the like Peter Milligan book that is like concurrent with 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 this uh, over at, at IDW, I think when they when when all of the 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 Vertigo editors and writers got fired by DC and hired by IDW. <laughs> That was a nice year and a half, and then IDW was like, God, that mind. Black Crown imprint? make more Transformers <laughs> and Green Lantern stuff. That's the... Oh my god. It, well, they got they got the Vertigo person. They got, um... What was her name? Anyway, the person who, like, managed Vertigo. And they got her to... Was, was that a Black Crown? Anyway, it was a good time. Yeah, sorry, time. I was blowing my nose, but yes, you're thinking of, uh, Catherine, Ber- Catherine Berger, right? Or Karen Berger. Karen Berger. Maybe she's Catherine Berger, Karen for short. I don't know. The point is, but I'd love to, like, look at two events. Like, just jump into a random Marvel or DC event and read it, having no, not knowing the context and comparing it to, like, something like... I don't know if Milk Wars is far enough from DC that it would be good, though. Like, I just, like, kind of looking at two different things through the events. It would be miserable because the event would probably be shit, but... Anyway, I was just thinking out loud. Um... Yeah, uh, I guess to almost wrap it up, but which character in Shade the Changing Girl do you think cries the most? Tico. Uh, Tico. Yeah. No explanation needed, Emily. That's yeah. Yeah, I feel like that, that one's Tico. pretty. At least as far I feel like any explanation is uh, evident within the text. Yeah. What What do you think, John? I, I, I think it's probably Teacup, yeah. I, I think that that's fair. I think LePuck is a good answer as well. Um, I love that, like, LePuck is definitely, like, down bad and crying a lot at the beginning. LePuck is a good runner-up, I believe. And, and yeah. But then he has that turn where he's like, I can't, I can't love her anymore. I have to start hating her so that I don't do something stupid. 
and I, I I love that as a as a as a character turn. It's 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 very good, and seeing him go from like being this like really adorable little squid little squid man to like just constantly like <laughs> looking angry and pissed off all the time. I think that that I think that that rocks. I I really like Lepuck. I, I mean I like like I said I like all the meta stuff. But Lepuck is man. yeah Lepuck is a standout angry, for me. Yeah, he has like the Lepuck, Leroy. I'm I'm sensitive. Yeah, pattern. there's John Luke loves the French. I don't know. He's uh, well, he's a lover. You heard I, it I have first, to, folks. I have to say, like, look, the like Lepuck just has a lot of the same. Uh, he appeals to a lot of the same parts of me as like Goose from Saga, uh, who's just a little guy and he's very adorable, and then he like also has that same turn where he like jumps at somebody with a battle axe and just goes sicko mode and Lepuck kind of does the has the has the same type of uh does the same kind of thing. I love that guy. Have we read Saga for the show yet or were we no, planning on it? And we're going read to it? at some point. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Any excuse to read that is great. Um I think I, I think uh I think the good old parents probably cry the most. They're very sad, but yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people in this book cry a lot. Uh, I think the parents cry a lot. I think, you know, I, I think all of like Megan's uh, quote unquote friends on the swim team cry a lot. Like nobody in this book is having a, a good time except for Loma Shade, who is having a blast for, for most of the book. But uh, no one else is, is enjoying themselves or yeah. having a good time. I gotta say, I do really. I know I've been like, I've I've probably come across as pretty down on this book, but I do have to say, I do really admire the ambition of it. Like, there is something to be said for a writer like respecting the the readers of the book enough. It, it's what Cecil with Camelucci. I cannot pronounce Italian last names, um, but I do really admire the Cesar uh, Castellucci. Castellucci, that's yeah. it. I do really admire the, like, you know, not treating the reader like an idiot at all, at all turns and explaining fit and feeling like everything has to be explained and sort of just like dropping them in and teasing out those details as it goes along. Um, so there is something about to that, that like, I really, and there's like, it, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird feeling that I have too, because like a lot of my favorite comics do that. And I genuinely can't tell if this is a book that just got canceled before it should have ended. And so never got to the points where a lot of those like other, like headier, you know, Peter Milligan, Grant Morrison, Neil Gaiman, books get the chance to to get to if this book would have gotten there eventually or if it's genuinely just like you know the ambition was there and the execution was just lacking the whole time and it sucks to like end up in that space of like i will i guess i'll ne- we'll never know because maybe maybe this book could have been something great but because it only got like a total of like 20 something issues including shade the changing woman which we didn't read for this like it was never able to to meet its potential and make everything sort of come together and feel cohesive. Yeah, I I, pref- I will always prefer an ambitious mess than a uh, totally. I always prefer an ambitious mess than like a boring mess. No, I I I definitely agree with that. And part of the issue too is like. And it's 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 kind of ironic as well because the those Vertigo books were sort of like the uh, that that inspired a lot of these young animal books are the books that you know brought about like the era of like the trade and catering to the bookstore market and like buying books and trade being a big thing. Um, but this book especially feel very much feels like you know we have to get from point A to point B in six issues. We have to ha- get all the way to the end of like this big confrontation between Loma and Megan within the span of six issues where it probably could have used more like eight or nine with like some, like with more development for the subplots thrown in there. But because of the, what the, the, the way the realities of the market, you have to get to that big endpoint in six issues so that it can neatly fit into a trade. Um, and the, and the second half is paced worse, like the second trade. So um, it's it's increasingly something that I'm like thinking about more with like modern comics is that so many of them like feel like they're written 
like they're not written to be read as single issues. They're written to be put in trades and sold at a Barnes and Noble. And it really feels like it is a disservice to the form. Um, because I, I just like went back and read like the first over the last couple of days, the first like eight or nine issues of shade, the changing man. And like the stories, like there's like a, a sort of like connective tissue of like those first few, like the, that first series of issues that all builds to something, but they tell all these side stories, like as they go through, as they, they go through, like the first issue is like established is like an establishing story. And like the next two issues are like a two issue arc about, the assassination of JFK and then it goes on from there to like do like these two or three issue stories they're all like end up sort of like building towards something um and and I feel like that structure could have worked really well for something like this if it was kind of like more of an anthology story about like you know and it could still do the transition to the road trip thing where it's like starts off doing like that anthology those anthology stories about like different things that happen in the high school and how that's like weird and wacky and you know the the contradictions between who loma is and who megan was and all like ends up building towards the final conflict and then you could do something similar for the you know her inevitably leaving and like going on the road trip and finding honey at the end but it's so condensed and that i feel like does not do this series any favors so we reached the end uh would you recommend Shade the changing girl um or who would you recommend it to i guess too as well if it's like a uh, I mean, I would probably generally recommend this book. Um, it, it would, like, the, I mean, there are probably people that I wouldn't recommend it to. But, in you know, like, for the most part, like, I would say, like, yeah, I liked this book. And I think that other people should probably, should probably check it out. It would be a tough recommend for me. Like, I, I definitely think that there are, like, a, there are, like, certain subsets of readers who I think would really respond to this book because like, like I said, there's stuff here to like, and there are people who aren't going to be as bothered by the things that I, that bothered me and put me off about it. So there's definitely a subset of readers where I would say, yeah, like you should definitely check out, like you should definitely check out shade, the changing girl. It just ends up being one of those books where I would much sooner recommend. And I hate to keep going back to this, but I would much sooner recommend people go back and read stuff from that early vertigo slate. Like, I would tell people to read, you know, Animal Man or Shade the Changing Man or Hellblazer or Sandman um, or even some of the stuff from, like, the early 2000s, like, before I would, you know, recommend – or Doom Patrol um, before I would tell them to, like, go to this – like, look to this book. And then, like, if you like stuff like that, yeah. then this might be something in your wheelhouse. Which is why it's weird that I didn't, it's not, it doesn't end up actually being in my world. Yeah, I do love stuff like that, but I, I think some people would, would like, people's mileage is obviously going to vary I a lot. I think it's not, it's not like a new reader friendly. It's not like, hey, I'm getting into comic books, what should I read? Read Shade the Changing Girl. I feel like you yeah. almost have to be in a little bit and like understand the medium a little more to do it. Um, for sure. You know, the, then again, these were made, presumably, for people who, you know, never read comics or people or, or younger comic readers. So maybe our baggage is an issue with that. Who knows? Like <laughs> none of us are really coming at it with a fresh like thing. So I was actually going to say that conversely, I think that as, as tough as like the first little like issue and a half, two issues could be for a new reader. I actually think that this is probably a better jumping on jumping in point because a, I think the way that it's written is pretty accessible um, in terms of, like, it doesn't, like, tie into a bunch of stuff. It has, like, it, it, it relies on, like, some traditional tropes that it uses, that it employs pretty well. And overall, the dialogue is pretty well written. And it also, like, kind of demonstrates the scope of, like, what even big two comics can do outside of just, like, pure superhero stuff. Um, not that I think the superhero stuff is bad, and I think for a lot of new readers, like superhero comics definitely can and are the way to go. But I, but I definitely think that this is actually probably something that I, I would I can actually see new readers responding to this a little bit better than people who have been reading comics for a really long time who have like a long history because they don't come come to it with yeah. like the baggage of expectations of what like because like if if I went to somebody who's like 
interested in reading comics, doesn't really have much knowledge of them about them and handed them shade, the changing girl, they wouldn't come to it with the weight of like Peter Milligan and the expectations of old vertigo that, that I come to it with. And, and unfortunately can't set us, can't, cannot like fully set aside to, to talk about it in a more objective light. Um, Like, like exactly. I mean, looking at all the comics I've, I've read and all the ones that I've liked, you know, when I started getting into it and now like revisiting them and I don't, they don't connect me anymore for, you know, various reasons. Some of them are like, Oh, why the last man just doesn't age well. And some of them are just like, Hey, this, this, this connected with me when I was like, 13 and you know it's like 10 years later more than 10 years later geez. um <laughs> many years later and it doesn't so um yeah i don't know check it out i mean if you see it at your store for $1.99 like i did i think it, I, I i recommend it the way i did like buy it check it out like it's it's good art at least so yeah well i was just gonna say like purely from a visual standpoint like there's there's a lot of like gorgeous pages in here and there's it, it doesn't there's not a lot of comics that look like this and that's part of what i mean when i say when i talk about like the scope of what comics can be is that you know there, there definitely are books that have had similar visual sensibilities in the past i think of like ecstatics for for instance which also has like a lot of pop art influences to it um but it is a it is a break from dc and marvel dc and marvel's individual health styles but it's also a break from like what ends up with what you can't really describe as a house style but you know there definitely is a sort of like stylistic trend to like image and uh non-big two books uh where you see a lot of similar visual like visual stuff being put into those like going into those books and this does have like this is a big jump for or not a huge jump but it is a significant jump from even what you would see in you know a lot of great like indie books that i really like um yeah so from that standpoint like it's it's hard not to say like you know you should at least it's worth reading at least for the art did you hear that sound i sure did wow what a sound uh that's that's a doomsday clock saying it's time for our inaugural first ever cry space i was gonna add another word that meant first but i couldn't think of another one so um that's what's making me, me cry this week uh, Emily, what is your cry space this week? My cry space is that I did my nails a week ago, and then yesterday I chipped off some of the polish on one of my nails, and so I ended up having to take all the polish off of one so that I could redo it. But I haven't redone it yet because it takes like an hour for nail polish to dry, and that is wow. annoying for to be able to sit and not use your hand for an hour. For so. for, for the listeners, the the finger that Emily has it is it the like, middle finger. It's the middle. It's perfect. It's like you can flip <laughs> someone off, and they're like, "Oh, they have no nail polish on." But little do they know. Little, little do they know. <laughs> so that's awesome. so that's my my cry space. That's why I cried. Is because I have to redo my nail polish. Yeah. Jonathan Lucan. Uh, I didn't have one prepared, but Emily's cry space actually reminded me of something that happened earlier this week where I've been going back and forth with my sister because I want to try painting my nails. Um, and my, I went back and forth with my sister and she gave me like a ton of recommendations because I was just going to do a black because I don't want to do any other colors. I just want to do like, try like a black. Uh, and so I went to target last weekend and bought everything that she told me to buy and then got home, took the nail polish out, and realized that uh, it had looked black because of the lighting in the Target, and in fact no! was just was brown. And I do not want to put on brown nail polish because I feel like it would look pretty bad. So now I just have like, I have like the like I have nail polish remover, and I have like the cover stuff that you put on afterward afterwards. And I have a vial of brown nail polish that I don't know what to do with. And I told my sister this and she's like, it, at least it's seasonal to like the fall. And I'm like, well, if it's, yeah, not, if it's unopened, up. you should be able to take it back and. Yeah, but I threw like, away the receipt. It. Oh, oh okay. you could try, you could try just your middle finger. Paint that brown. <laughs> see, see how it suits you. And, and because of that, I, I instead of, you know, going back and buying the nail polish that I actually wanted, I got so annoyed that I'm just like, I'm not doing this now. 
Okay, well, in six months when you decide to do it again, you'll have everything you need except the black. So that's, <laughs> yeah, exa- you know exactly. That's inspiration. Exactly. Um, my Christ what face. I've been cat sitting, cat sitting for the last two weeks, uh, and they're coming home today. All is well, um, and I slept over tonight because the cats get sad when I'm not there. As Aww. you know, one last hurrah, mm-hmm. and then I wake up to the sound of, of vomiting, and I'm like, oh no, no, oh no. So yeah, the cat did not like the wet food last night, and it's it was it was returned, it was returned in full. Um, so yeah, it was like made it two weeks without any incident, and the day they're coming back, I'm like, oh yeah, your cat just threw up. I don't know why. I think it's the <laughs> food, but so but yeah, she's better. She ate dry food, and then she played with her carrot toy. So hopefully, it's good. <laughs> gonna check on her after this episode um but yeah cats oof 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 they're very cute yeah actually our friend yeah, is very I, think, cute. I think he just adopted a cat he was gonna get a dog he was like 99 percent getting a dog and then the dog was adopted so now he's getting a cat that's the last i heard i don't know if Jean-Louis <laughs> yeah. Can, uh, yeah well i know that he our friend he bought a lot of a bunch of the supplies for required for having a cat so i'm excited okay, to cool. have an Another friend with a cat who shows cat pictures. Heck yeah. Exciting. Because well. Yeah, never, I don't have never a cat. Of those. You should, get a, you should cat, get a cat. But you're living in an Airbnb, so. Yeah, and then I'm going to go back to my parents' place where there are currently three cats, and I don't really want to introduce like a fourth to the mix. No, yeah, I, I like cats. all of them, but I, I won't need a, a, a fourth. I won't oh. need my own cat if there's a bunch of cats there already. Sure, but you would prefer to have your own cat rather than the three cats there. No, because actually I would prefer my sister's cat. My sister's cat is like the sweetest little guy that I've yeah. ever known. I, I've like Papillon? seriously like, huh? Papillon. Is that pa- yeah. Papillon? Papillon? Yeah. Um, I've had, a, I've had my, we had two great family cats that I loved a lot and I never thought I would love a cat more than I loved the, the last one. And then my oh. sister got Poppy and he is just, Poppy. he's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I love him good. so much. Wow, and, we, just had a, we just had a glad space. Look at that. Yeah, and he gets really excited whenever he sees me. So I think he actually Aww, likes me. Like, he is. Yeah. so my parents' cats That's don't get crazy. excited when they see me, but they tolerate me now. So, hey, and they're both man. really, they're both adorable. So, but wow, I just sent some cat pics to the group chat. Hell yeah. Yeah. Ditto. yeah! I love Ditto, and I also love Buster, but. I feel like I see more of Ditto than Buster. Yeah, well, that's because Buster will generally be sleeping in, like, one place in the house, and it's usually not where I am. So and it's not photogenic. <laughs> it's just like, oh, No, sleeping. he is photogenic. I'm no, just he's not very in there. Photogenic, so, yeah. so I don't, I'm not seeing him to take pictures. That's fair. But Ditto Maybe we'll put some me. pictures on the, maybe we'll put some pictures on the Twitter. Yeah, when this I've episode definitely got so, Oh, look at that. We've reached the plug part. Plenty of Buster right. and Ditto <laughs> Check out Cry the Book Club. At, uh, on Twitter at Crying Book Club. Uh, who knows what's happening with Twitter? I was um, every time I scroll through my Twitter now, with suggested videos, and it's just like R-rated like shit every oh. time now. Because I, I don't know if the Dude, moderation do, team's not there. Twitter? What? What is how up do I get your Twitter? No, how do I get that? I want my Twitter to be all like R-rated all right. videos. I'll, I'll give you the instructions after the episode. But uh, you can view <laughs> us. We're on we're on a lot of podcast platforms, all podcast platforms that we know of and care about. So. Good. Give us some five star reviews. If it's out of ten, don't give us five stars though. Give us like nine. Give us all the stars. Nine and a half, something there. Um, but yeah, you can find Jean Luc on Twitter at Mountain Dew Liker. Uh, you find his letterbox at JL Botville, and it's a uh, it is a it's a treasure trove of films. There's this over the years, the collection has been very big. And anything recent from. Uh, well, I, I haven't seen anything recently. Okay, well, that's not true. I have, uh, I have become acquainted with Art the Clown, the protagonist of the Terrifier film franchise. The protagonist, who, wow. Yes, yes. He is, uh, he's a good, he's a good, he's a good guy. I like him a lot. He, I want to be friends with him. He's a funny little guy. Um, and uh, probably by the time this goes up, that you'll, you'll see more movies logged. I also saw the new Park Chan-wook film, Decision to Leave. Uh, which was fantastic. Uh, and it's about what if a girl was so hot she made you forgive her for murder? <gasps> I've got and to I'm like, this out. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, it do be that way sometimes. <laughs> wow. So it was very good. 
follow I, uh, Emily is on Twitter at mpandanata, Letterbox at pandabore, Twitch at pandabore, where I believe you are streaming and will be streaming when this is up the Ace Attorney series. Is that a safe bet? Yes. Safe. Yes. Uh, as of recording on the second game in the Ace Attorney series, uh, who knows where I will be when this episode goes up? I feel like you'll still be Ace Attorney unless you're like just. Oh, it'll up. definitely be Ace Attorney because I have the the trilogy of like the first three games. Uh, yeah. But who knows if it, I will be on. Uh, if I will be on game two or three when this Damn. comes out. Damn. And what Emily is on, or working on, or was on, or shall be on, are some podcasts. Uh, imagine me and you, Tana. Fresh podcast market. That looks terrible. Which is out next year. Yes. Coming soon. Coming Very soon. exciting. We've been hyping it up exclusively. <laughs> we announced the date two weeks ago, so or the, the time frame, and uh, we're doubling down. Uh, yes. Any other podcasts you want to you talk about, Emily? Because... I know there's um, more that are involved with you, but if, if you want to keep I mean, like, secret. I've been on other podcasts. I've I've had guest episodes on uh, Sailor Business and uh, The Home for Wayward OCs and Loser Like Me and... Uh, Warrior Chats. W- Warrior Chats oh. uh, that, that I do with Chad over on the Opinions Are Cheap podcast. Uh, uh, and i've also been on opinions are cheap uh, yeah, i am i'm in i'm in places heck yeah you can find me on twitter at alex Hansia, and you can find the three of us actually on an episode i think it's on warrior chats it's on the, the yeah thing i'm talking about talking about some music that came out uh, you know now about a month ago uh but it's it's uh, taylor swift versus carly ray there's only one winner the fans so, um, it's only so one yeah. winner. It's me. Uh, uh, it's Emily. I, and I don't think the Taylor Swift fans won on that one. Can't lie. Hey, you got to listen to the show, John Luke. I'm not spoiling. Think, it. I, I think Taylor Swift fans took an L at the end of October. Wow. <laughs> Couldn't have happened to a nicer group. Uh, but that will wrap us up. <laughs> Emily, John Luke, thank you so much for stopping by the show that you're on and host uh, every two weeks. So it's good. Yeah, you're it. welcome. It, yeah. it took a lot out of me. You're welcome. But... Hey, I woke we, up from a nap for this. We made it. We made it. Uh, and remember, folks, uh, to always get a cat, even if you have one. Get another cat. Treat it well. And yeah. as, as Jean-Luc always says, I love the French. I love the French. <laughs> oh, man. He's such a, he's such a scamp. I'm a what? <laughs>